Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Colgan Counselor. Uh, we're really glad that you joined us today, and we're going to actually have a neat conversation about history uh, and the way that it intersects sometimes with uh, counseling principles and resilience, really. So I'm really excited, as always, to have my wonderful co-host, Mrs. Martin. Hello. And we also have a, a guest from the Colgan staff today. Uh, she's a fantastic history to, or history teacher, uh, Miss Rashida. Hi, Alba. guys. All right. So uh, I thought of this because history is actually the background I originally trained in. A lot of folks maybe don't know that uh, before I did counseling. Uh, I always love the stories that I read of these people from all different backgrounds and all different areas of the world who overcame challenges. And I, I feel like sometimes it's not always the default for our leaders, but there's, those are the ones that I'm most interested in are the ones who really pushed through and got through something to get to where they are. And I think that's relevant for the time that we're in where all of us are really facing unique challenges. And, and so I wanted to talk about figures that really, stand out to us and i know miss outlaw you said that there are some people that really stand out mm -hmm. to you in particular so i um have a variety well there are a variety of people um that you could choose from um and i chose people who i personally um identify with um and who became activists, became prominent during the height of the Black Freedom Movement. Um, so mm -hmm. I'm thinking of two people. One, we probably all know. One, maybe we don't know very well. One would be Malcolm X, who I, I think many people are very um, familiar with. But the other is a woman, Fannie Lou Hamer. She, mm -hmm. like, um, like you just um, introduced, endured lots of hardships in terms of helping others to experience freedom within this country. And Malcolm X also um, experienced hardships and resiliency. And they're just, you know, just a brief bio. Fannie Lou Hamer, those who don't know her. So she's from the South. She was born and raised in Mississippi. Um, her family were poor sharecroppers, things like that. And with the activism that was taking place in helping African-Americans to know what exactly their civil rights were, she became inspired, decided to join the movement. And in terms of hardships, I mean, she was very active in trying to educate poor Blacks in Mississippi to register to vote. But some of, say, the white establishment in Mississippi didn't agree with this. And so she was beat very badly um, due to her activism. She suffered a blood clot, um, sustained damage to her kidney. She needed a month to recover from the assault. Now imagine if something like that happens to us today, like maybe most people might step back from their activism and maybe there's, you know, they may doubt if they should keep going, but Fannie Lou Hamer and others during this time, this is all in the 1960s, they kept going and she kept 
going with her activism, she co-founded the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party because the Democratic Party in Mississippi um, at that time was segregated. They did not allow African-Americans to participate. So the African-Americans in um, um, their Mississippi started their own um, political party. Um, And she suffered other things, things that I told my students about. Um, There is a well-known program um, in the United States to sterilize people of color, um, um, women of an immigrant background, people who were believed to possibly bring the society down or they had uh, genetic traits that they thought were inferior. So she was sterilized without her permission. Um, Mississippi wanted to reduce the number of impoverished blacks um, there in their state. So all of this is happening to her, but she was a very well-known and vocal figure during her time period, right? And she never stopped Mm -hmm. fighting. Um, I I won't go as much into Malcolm X because we know sort of his story. um, And many of us can identify with it. I I think for me, the part, since we're talking about um, resiliency and, you know, how to overcome hardships. I think for him, his greatest hardship, all right, he he came to prominence because he joined an organization called the Nation of Islam. And he found a home there, he found mentors, he found a community. And due to changes, um, due to political changes within the organization, as well as his own transformation, he left them and he therefore was abandoned by that community that nurtured him. And he felt that his life was threatened by them, but that didn't stop. He kept going and he exposed himself to other opportunities to build relationships with other activists, not just in the United States, but all over the world. He was traveling, visiting heads of states in in like Arabia, in Africa, places like this. He was going to speak to the UN, many things like that. And so I think for our kids, like imagine that you might be in a group of friends or in a, you know, like even in a community, you might take a stand that might distinguish you or might make you different from what everybody else believes in. Do you let go of that position? Think about Fannie Lou Hamer. She could she mm-hmm. could have let go of her position, when, you know, went back to maybe her family house and just didn't do anything. And again, the society or the larger society rejected what she was trying to do. Malcolm X and some of the other mm-hmm. members of his former community rejected what he was trying to do, but they kept pushing forward and they looked for other allies, you know, such that they had people who could mm-hmm. support them. And so I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. These are very powerful lessons that we can take. Um, that don't be afraid to stand out there alone. You know, if you believe in something and you believe it, it, you know, you believe it is right and you believe it is the thing to do, especially if it is tied to your moral compass. Malcolm X, as a Muslim man, felt that this is his duty as a Muslim man, you know. So we cannot be ashamed of that, Um, even if, again, people may laugh or ridicule you get to the point, Fannie Lou Hamer, Malcolm X, where your life may be threatened and you still persevere. So I, I think these are two very powerful lessons. Hmm. I love that. And I want to come back to that in just a second. I, I briefly, I want to introduce, um, we also have with us another guest today, Palmer Denny. 
Yeah. Uh, hey, Palmer, Sorry, can you hear us? Had some internet problems. Hey, you were totally fine, man. Uh, Palmer's a ninth grader uh, at Colgan. He's a huge <laughs> Star Wars fan. Uh, he's got a lot to contribute to this conversation as well. Um, but I want to pivot back real quick to what you were saying there, Miss. I'm amazed. I think today sometimes it can feel like it's more rare for people mm-hmm. to take a stand. And that's what I admire so much you know, about both of the figures that you mentioned is there people who really realized that it was going to be what they were doing was controversial Mm -hmm. at the time. And yet they still Mm -hmm. pushed forward. Um, that, that's a really difficult thing to do now. And I'm amazed too. I'm not as familiar with Fannie Lou Hamer, but I looked up her backstory. She Mm -hmm. had polio. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So (laughs) again, like an illness uh, that can be debilitating. We have lots of students within our population. They may have an illness, disability, but that shouldn't stop you from achieving anything. Miss Outlaw, I, I, I love what you were talking about, how both of them, despite coming up against forces outside of themselves and also just hardships in general, they, they kept going. Mm-hmm. Um, I know sometimes when we look at history and historical figures that do these great things amidst really hard circumstances, we sometimes tend to idolize them yeah. and make them mm-hmm. seem like superheroes, mm-hmm. that it's not a mm-hmm. characteristic that we ourselves can embody mm-hmm. because it's so out there. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think based on your knowledge of their backgrounds and, and who they were as people, kept them going what what kept them moving forward um so i mean again coming from an african-american background myself um i'm from alabama so i was raised in the south um people there and maybe even here in virginia you you know not to discount um um, virginia um virginia people are generally raised with a very strong faith background Um, If you could see footage from some of the civil rights um, activities, you see people always singing spirituals. And not just that, but the community background is also very Mm -hmm. strong, like the close-knit communities. Now, I'm going to mention something, and this is not necessarily controversial, but it is a fact of life. So these guys would have grown up in segregated um, communities. So something that many observers say that we lost when segregation ended was that cohesiveness in the black community. So and here, um, just looking at her background, like she was in a community or she lived in a community that was like an all black town. So there would have been black business owners, black, um, black um, educators, lots of community type of uh, type, uh, type of organizations. So even though we see her as one person, she would have been well connected to the other people within her community. Malcolm X, similarly, now he's actually from the north, um, was from Michigan. Believe it or not, his parents were involved um, with the United Negro um, Improvement um, Association, which was started by Marcus Garvey. He was famous for the Back to Africa movement that Black people don't have a place in this country, so we need to leave and go back home. Um, not Very few people actually did that, but the idea was that we need to be proud to be who we are. And that's something that Malcolm X's parents passed on to him and he, in turn, passed that on to his children. Now, 
a lot of us think that the story with Malcolm X ended after he was um, assassinated, but, you know, we can see that the story actually really took off. So his wife, um, Betty Shabazz, who comes um, an activist herself, becomes an educator. They actually had six mm. children, six daughters. I believe they're all alive today. One, Ilyasa Shabazz, um, also a professor, is kind of like the spokesperson for the family. Um, so again, mm. he just didn't appear out of anywhere. That and, you know, definitely not always standing alone. He was coming from a legacy of activism. And it was something that his parents inspired them to do. And even, um, and we see this in the Malcolm X movie, his father was basically lynched um, by white supremacists um, where they were living. And that decimated his family, separated from his mother, his brothers and sisters. Um, and then, okay, he himself was assassinated. And honestly, that decimated his family, his children, like over the years, some had problems with the law. Um, I don't know if you know how his wife died. Um, Betty Shabazz died in a house fire that was started by her grandson. Just very, very, very tragic. And we, you know, look at these things. What happens when the African-American male household is removed from the family? It, it, it becomes tragic and those effects are, you know, felt to the, you know, felt to this day. But again, we, we uh, we persevere. You know, these are values that Fanny Lou Hamer would have been taught, things that she would have showed her family um, as well, um, and things that Malcolm X was taught and that he tried to share with his children when he was alive. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I hear that as kind of pivoting to current circumstances and what people are dealing with now and applying those principles of history to our, you know, current situations, but also being resilient through them is this idea of drawing on the community of people around mm -hmm. you and the identity from which you come mm -hmm. from. So pulling from your culture, your background, your faith, if that's something that you pursue as strengths that keep you moving through. Um, and then when things get hard, also drawing on that community power of being able to move forward together and not in isolation. Mm -hmm. Is that kind of along the, the right, the right vein? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, All definitely. Right. Yeah. I, I, the thing that I see in a constant theme here too, it's interesting to just see the ways they drew from personal experience, but I think they also found, I, I, I just wonder if maybe they found something bigger than mm -hmm. even themselves to, to latch on to, to sort of continue to push through. I mean, it, 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 it that's a hard thing to do, but I, I think that's, it, it's not necessarily about them being superhuman so much as they realize that it wasn't about them mm -hmm. alone, you know, which is a really powerful piece. I want to pivot just for a second um, and, and bring Palmer into the conversation. Palmer, I know that you, mentioned there was somebody that you wanted to talk about as well. Um, you know, we're talking again about individuals who have really made it through hardship, come, come through adversity um, and shown resilience in that in history. Um, who uh, the Apostle you Paul. To talk about? Mm -hmm. so, so what is it that you most admire about the way that maybe he battled through adversity. I think adversity some of his or... adversities were mostly against people's opinion. Like, 
if I were to go to school and someone said, I like this, but uh, most, everyone, like, everyone's kind of mm-hmm. joined together and saying, we like this thing. But then there's that one person that stands out and says, no, actually, I like this. Mm-hmm. People are getting on this case about, like, no, this one's better, you know. He can start to get picked on stuff. And so, kind of using that metaphor mm-hmm. because the way Paul did it, he would go to these towns and preach about, like, he just kind of preach about Christianity to these people. And a lot of them were kind of, they were, mm-hmm. they mostly did respect him. They didn't want to hear what he had to say. They were, they didn't really agree with him very much. There were people who did, but there, they weren't too many people who did. But there were a lot of people who just disagreed with him and they didn't really share his views that well i mean he would get mm-hmm. thrown out of town and stuff like that and sometimes things would turn violent but like he just kept going that's one of the things mm-hmm. i admire him for is he just kind of kept going through all that mm-hmm. he just didn't stop mm-hmm. yeah and, and i think that paul's a really interesting example you know when we talk about historical figures because what we know about him from when we read you know historical texts is it, we got a pretty good idea that he was somebody who was persecuting yeah. people at first, you know, for doing the same thing that he then turned to do. So I think he understood kind of the the ramifications of, okay, if I do this, it is going to be a dangerous thing. Yeah. To he was do, a tax right? collector, a Roman tax collector before, yeah. and then he, he was like stoned and stuff, thrown out of town. So people really didn't like tax collectors. So that's kind of the way that tax collectors worked <laughs> in the past. Gee, I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People really didn't like them. I mean, they would kind of, there'd be the, the emperor would say, okay, look, here, you can take this amount of, this much money that you collect has to go to me, but you can collect however much you want. So they would run people dry from their money and just get really rich off of that. And it was really, really corrupt and messed up what they were doing and stuff. And that's why people really, really hated tax collectors. And he was one. So one day he went, he was just, he got messed with all over by the people in his town. And then he went to this one town called Damascus and met a man named Jesus. And that he, Jesus started talking to him and then trying to tell him about the error of his ways, telling him what he was doing wrong and how he can fix it. And that's kind of how he got the upbringing of Paul. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think, you know, and regardless of, of what you believe, I mean, I definitely think we can agree. Paul had a huge impact on human history with, you know, the, yeah. the, the development of the early Christian church. Um, you know, the guy really, he's an example of somebody, I think, kind of like I said earlier, who really clung to and reached on to something that he felt was bigger mm-hmm. than himself. Um, you know, sort of as we shared in those other stories. Uh, what I want to move towards now, I'm want, just for both of you and, and also for you, Mrs. Mertens, what would you say are some of the biggest factors as we look through history, as we look at these figures that you've mentioned, what would you say are some of the biggest things that we can take away that can help us to persevere through adversity and to have resilience and grit similar to the way that they've had, I mean, obviously different circumstances, but I think we're all going through a difficult time right now. What are some of the biggest lessons that maybe we could learn from these figures? You know, it's interesting because one of the themes that in, in, in the back of my mind, someone I was thinking of was Victor Frankl, who's a a psychiatrist Uh uh, who went through concentration camps uh, in Nazi Germany. And, um, and the thing about Viktor Frankl and about all the figures that we talk about is 
they they all in in the in their minds clung to this hope this uh this view of the future that could be different than the present um and that they were a part of that movement towards that hopeful future um i think you know oftentimes when when we focus solely on the suffering and and solely on the hardships it's easy to think that things are insurmountable um that that there could be no future that's different um and yet most historical figures that truly move through these amazing in in a hard way circumstances that to some of us would seem insurmountable in our own lives and yet they come on the other side and something results from it there is something different on the other side of of their being of their of their growing and moving forward so i think one of the biggest things is that hope um that leads to resilience that leads to to moving forward and i would also add um i i, I think patience would be very mm. huge you know like in going out and deciding to be an activist. And also I, I think probably what played a factor in the roles of people like Fannie Lou Hamer, Malcolm X was that, um, let's see, how do I say it? I, I think they recognize something inside of themselves. Um, and that something was that they needed to carry this torch you or first light the torch, carry it, and try to lead others, guide others, um, and knowing that whatever they're trying to achieve may not happen immediately, and, and it may not even happen in your lifetime. So imagine mm -hmm. the patience that somebody would have to bear when they're getting beat nearly to death, or say with Malcolm X shortly before he was assassinated, his house was bombed and his children, his young children, babies were sleeping there with his wife. Imagine as the, uh, you know, like as a man, as a head of your household, this happens to you, like your house and family is threatened. The patience you would have to bring to keep your own family calm and to reassure them that, you know, everything is, is going to be okay. And, you know, even something else, um, it's, especially because Malcolm X was Muslim and, you know, we believe that there's this life, but there's all, but there's also the life to come um, after we pass away. And so with that, and, you know, like I can even imagine that Fannie Lou Hamer also believed that same thing. So you may have this hardship now, but that doesn't mean that it's always going to be like that, you know, just be patient when the next life comes, all of those hardships are, they won't be there anymore. Mm -hmm. And you believe that you're you're mm -hmm. you know, working towards something bigger, whether it's the next life. The figure that I probably admire most, or one of the figures I admire most in history, is um, is Nelson Mandela. And there's a beautiful, powerful but harrowing quote that he he had. Um, I've cherished the ideal of a democratic and free society in which all persons will live together in harmony and with equal opportunities. It's an ideal which I hope to live for and to see realized. But if need be, it is an ideal for which I am prepared to mm -hmm. die. And it always brings me back, I think, again, to that idea of it, it, whether it's I'm doing this for 
you know, a higher purpose that I feel like comes from some <laughs> religious or spiritual background or whether it's because I, of, of the, you mentioned before, Miss <laughs> Outlaw, the community that I feel attached to. I feel this mm-hmm. this purpose that's higher than myself, and that helps mm-hmm. carry me through some of those adversities. Um, you know, Mandela said that when there was a very real wow. potential for him to be sentenced to death, instead he was imprisoned. Um, you know, for for years. Um, but yeah, Palmer, any, any thoughts? What what do you think? Any keys that you see to fighting through? adversity or having resilience in hard times. Uh, what, what, what do you take the most from the apostle Paul or from other historical figures? What would be I useful now? The way I saw it through Paul was his belief. That was that people, once they're saved through Jesus, they'd go to heaven was his belief. And he was teaching that. And I believe he truly mm-hmm. in his heart wanted to save people, like really just help them kind of be there for them. So that's, I think why he just kept going was to keep helping people. Like it'd be like, trying to help somebody on some sort of work that they're trying to do, but they keep turning you away, but you just, there's something, either something wrong with them or something's going on in their life. They're just trying to help them out. But that's kind of the one things that I see with Paul is that he just really wanted to help people. And I think that that's pretty good motivation. Me in your heart to want to help people. That's it, that'd motivate me. Fire Paul. I love that. I love that. Uh, with all of this, I do. <laughs> the counselor in me feels obligated right. to say it's also important. <laughs> yes, you of course. Yeah. Uh, you, you you have these outward focuses, uh, and, and we've talked about that. But but be sure certainly to to nourish yourself. I think we see that in examples of that in, in lots of these mm-hmm. folks. But when you have that helper mentality, it can be easy to want to go 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 go. Wow. Sometimes you've got to take that a breath. That is so powerful. And, and I yourself. think um, I I think with both of the leaders that I mentioned, Fanny Lou Hamer, Malcolm X, um, those those are things that they had to realize and that other leaders of the movement had to realize as well. You know, you can't quite sacrifice yourself to it. Like you may feel that you have to, but that self-care part is very important. And that can mean stepping aside or taking a backseat for a time. Doesn't mean that you go away, but just to replenish your soul, you know, even if it's to take a rest or whatever you need to do, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, I one of the uh, most interesting parts of Malcolm X's yes. story to me is when he took his pilgrimage to Mecca and he took that mm-hmm. time kind of, I mean, that was so instrumental, I think. In, mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. It, it was, it was life changing for him. He witnessed things that he hadn't witnessed before. He was on that journey basically to seek more knowledge because he was, he had taken the understanding mm-hmm. of Islam from the nation of Islam and he felt because he was rejected by them that he didn't get the full story straight what the religion really said so he so he's on his own journey and goes to be in community with other mm-hmm. muslims from all around the world and that changed his whole outlook you know so that thing seeking knowledge you know there may be something mm-hmm. in you that you don't know about or mm-hmm. maybe you have a doubt about so you go and seek knowledge about it from knowledgeable people you know people that you know mm-hmm. like people that you can trust you know oh, so yeah. Yeah, I, I think some people looked at that almost as a step back mm-hmm. from the work he was mm-hmm. doing, but I look at it as building mm-hmm. foundation mm-hmm. 
from which to continue working. You know, I, I, the Apostle Paul, you know, it's similar in his story. He would he, and he would ask people in the early church to send things mm-hmm. to help him out. Or he would go and visit these communities where he had kinship and fellowship with folks. Um, you know, there's there's beauty in that. And, and without pouring back into your own cup, mm-hmm. you're going to mm-hmm. run dry eventually. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, when we talked about what keep what kept them going, it's it's drawing on those those pillars of whether it's faith, community, the things that do fill you up, the things that that build your strength, you know, that is filling your cup that that is uh, it's caring for who you are and who you're yet to be. Oh, right? I like that. It's shaping you, building that foundation. So, you know, that's part of the journey. It's part of the the resiliency is 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 keeping that journey going whether that's outwardly or inwardly i like that who you might be you know like in the future and i i think that's very important for students um you know just we're prepping you guys for who you are going to be in the future what is the kogan mission um preparing and inspiring students for their future so that's what we're trying to get you you know like help you guys you know who you are now or wherever you are now that you know like that may not be who or what you'll be for the rest of your life you know like there's a trajectory that you are on you may not know it yet but you're definitely on it (laughs) yeah and what we we see so much potential in you all potential in you all i mean i see it in you palmer i see it in, in so many of our students all of our students have the potential to do things i think that they don't maybe recognize um for sure a- any final thoughts and then we'll go ahead I'd say and wrap up one thing that i see like a lot i see a common theme especially in things like government stuff when they're talking about important matters like climate change stuff that'll affect us later on down the road mm. a common theme that i've talked with people about because i only mm-hmm. talk about this kind of these topics like this but one common theme i see is like oh we're not going to be here then so why does it matter like right, i feel right. like people aren't doing enough because they don't expect it to bother them mm-hmm. yeah it's sure it may not bother us but what about mm-hmm. our, the next generation after us and then after that how when's it going to stop like what are people think the, it's just the wrong mentality to have is it's not going to affect us and that's one thing I look past to. Yes, yeah, sure, it's not going to affect us, but that's mm. thinking inward if we're saying stuff like that. So one thing I believe is that we just we should think about us more, think about what's going to happen later on. Mm-hmm. Wow. I love that. Anyone else? Yeah, I'll, I'll add that I think one of the great things of of looking at people in history is like I said before, we can sometimes view people in the past as superheroes or as people that we have trouble relating to because they've, you know, gone beyond, they've done these huge things. Um, And, and that idea of, you know, we aren't the person that we're going to be yet, Mm. that there are so many opportunities in the, in the moments in our life. Um, to make one step forward, I, I know I keep referencing Frozen 2, and I apologize, but I have a four-year-old. But the, the next right thing, okay. um, you know, I, I doubt any of the figures we talked about knew who they would become mm-hmm. or knew what they would do and what it would accomplish. Mm-hmm. Um, but they took the next right step. Mm-hmm. Um, and that idea of moving forward little by little, it, it, that's part of the resiliency is mm-hmm. not being able to see the future but being invested that there will be a future and we're working towards mm-hmm. it. Um, 
Yeah. So I, I think that's why it's so important to look at some of these people to see how how great it can be and and the things that can be hard, but also be fruitful and be wonderful in in their own way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Um, I just want to go back to that point, you know, like the person that you're going to become, you know, and that's that's a transformation that can happen when you're a high school student. It could be when you are a school counselor, uh, counselor like Mr. Harvey and Mrs. Mertens, you know, like that can happen at any point um, in your life. And it's just don't be afraid of it. Take it. Mm-hmm you know, hold on to it, jump and dive in, like, you know, like, you know, like dive all the way in. Um, you should, something fantastic can come from that and, and you just have to trust it. Mm-hmm. I love that. That reminds me of a quote that's often misattributed <laughs> to Nelson Mandela. Um, you know, our greatest fear is not that we're inadequate. It's that we're powerful beyond measure. And I I do, I I, I think that we oftentimes become afraid, not necessarily of what we can do, but of what, you know, the powerful things that we can do might lead to or how difficult they might be. I just want to encourage folks as human beings, we have an incredible ability of resilience and we see it, I think, you know, in, in what's happening now, we see it in the movements that Miss Outlaw and the Palmer you've referenced today. You are capable of so much more than you know. And I don't want to minimize the things that people go through. But at the same time, um, I'm always amazed. This goes back to what Dr. Tori Stone said in an earlier podcast. I'm always amazed mm-hmm. at what people are able to make it through. Um, so I want to I want to thank our guests. I want to thank Miss Outlaw for joining us. Uh, thank you, Palmer, uh, for hopping on. Uh, it's been wonderful. Um, thank you, as always, Mrs. Mertens. Um, and we hope that you'll join us again. Uh, we've got some exciting new episodes coming up. We've got some uh, an interesting look okay, at wow. the topic of self care coming up. Uh, we might uh, and and maybe even some issues with the name of self care that we're going to talk about. Um, moving forward. Uh, We hope you'll listen with us then. Um, As always, be good to yourselves. You deserve it. Uh, We're proud of you, Sharks. We'll see you next time. All right. Thank you for having me.